Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Plastics World Cup podcast, a show where three American wankers calculate the goals needed from Wales to beat England and see them and the U.S. through. You're joined by a man who almost booked a plane ticket to give a ref a piece of his mind, Blair Lacrosse. Yeah, what's going on there? And as the Thanksgiving holiday concludes, a successful gluten-free Maddie Gaylor. Glad this is my entire personality now. And myself, adjectiveless Jacob Burke. <laughs> more drama, more action. Brazil remind the world just how to samba. Portugal fall upwards on their way through Group H. And Iran remains victorious as the U.S. and England tie. Match two of the group stages is well underway and questions remain. Will the U.S. make it out of groups? Will Ecuador prove the haters wrong? Will Fox please shut up about Tom Brady? Mm. Let's speculate. Uh, somebody online posted a New York Post headline from, uh, let's see, what's the date here? June 13th, 2010. It says, USA wins 1-1. Greatest tie against the British since Bunker Hill. <laughs> Wait, is that from the New York Times? The New York Post. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Is the New York Post kind of like Daily Mail? Um, I mean, they've got... It's garbage, yeah. Gossip columns, yeah. yeah. Wow, 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 wow. All right. Guys. Yeah, so a- let's, uh, wait, let me just give it space because this will cut in unless you want to do it out of order. I mean, it's, it's... Let's just, oh, right. Fuck. We're not editing these episodes. <laughs> okay, well, since we're not editing and you heard all of that unrefined <laughs> hot garbage, let's do it out of order and let's talk about feelings that are fresh and games that we just saw. The big one, obviously, here is Group B, Match 2. Uh, one England, zero, and one USA, zero. That was a confusing way to this say it. This is <laughs> five minutes, pretty much, after the game, and the, the, the feelings are fresh, and the experience is still raw. Guys, take me through what you're feeling right now. Did the ref forget to bring cards to this game? I think the only answer is yes. Because it it felt like there could have been a couple opportunities for England to really get a card and maybe even Giannis Musa there at the end with the two-hand push on Kerry Kane. But he just, he, he really gave them stern warnings. Did they do anything? No. So my question is, is it better that no one got a card or that you, would you have preferred more people to get cards? I mean, even though like the the announcers were like, I could have seen two to three England players come out of that first half with cards, and they were dangerous plays. Like one of them almost took off. Um, whose foot did they almost take off? Was it Dest? Uh, I think you're. Yeah, no, Dest. No, I don't think it was Dest. But I, I, I know that Luke Shaw tackle. I think you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I don't I, get it. I, I, I don't know. I think it's okay as long as there were no yellow cards. He called it consistent. That's true. Yeah. So as long as no one got an unjust yellow card that, you know, for two of our players, 
would have seen them out of the USA Iran game. Yeah. A very just yellow card would have gone to Mason Mountain, who I think had quite a few fouls. Um, but yeah, I generally agree. I think it's better if it's, I mean, at least it's consistent, right? I mean, it wasn't just like one side of the, the ball getting all the yellow cards. So that's good at least. But yeah, it's just a little frustrating, kind of kind of annoying when some of these fouls are very blatant um, fouls to break up transitions and uh, all sorts of things. So yeah, you just kind of get annoyed watching that after a while. But I generally agree. I was going to write as your intro, Maddie, uh, known Mason Mount critic, but I erased it because I thought it was too harsh. Mm. I mean, I'm not a fan. Yeah, but you're not a critic. 10 yeah. out of 10 wouldn't. Not, uh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? <laughs> no, I, I forgot we're not cutting anything. Man of the match, guys. Who did you think uh, really deserved that title? Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta give it to uh, one of Tyler Adams, or I'm gonna keep harping on this kid, Giannis Musa. Um, but I, honestly, it looked like Adams had the little Doctor Strange teleportation circle around the field because he was just appearing everywhere. He was so, so good today, and he very well deserves the captain band. Yeah, they they keep they keep pushing that story about all the players <laughs> voting for Tyler Adams as the captain and how it's so great that they have someone that they want to lead them into a World Cup and into I, battle. I don't know. I just think they're just trying to make this story out of something that was probably more or less, hey, we got to choose a captain. What do you guys think? Well, Tyler beat me at FIFA last night, so I guess I'm going to vote for Tyler. Yeah, I mean, he's a good, very, very vocal guy, and he's very intense, and I think that's really good because you got to have a guy that's militant enough to keep everyone in line. So I, he, I, I do respect it. I think, too, though, he, he has a lot of, like, the like tra- traditional captain's qualities. Like you said, like, he's vocal. Um, he is kind of a pit bull. Like, he won't back down from anybody. He'll get people's faces and, and talk a little trash. But he always backs it up with his game, which I like. I mean, I think uh, it's not good to always make your best player your captain. Um, just like it's not always good to make your best player your PK taker. Mm. Um, and the captaincy thing is interesting because it's like a conversation that just goes on and on. Um, and I'm not sure really how much it matters that much. But, I mean, I think Adams was certainly a worthy candidate for it and does a good job of it. So, um, But I, the, the, the leadership in this game came from the midfield group. Yeah, I think I think without the trio of Musa, Adams, and McKinney that this game would have gone awry because I think the narrative going into it was more of an uphill battle for our boys in blue. And I think all of us were very nervous. Yes, yes. Very nervous going in. And I can say that now, yeah. It really dulled the pain during the little special they had about Harry Kane drawing inspiration from none other than Thomas brady that's so weird man never, don't do that you ever heard him called thomas brady before never once <laughs> that's the first time so touchdown to go from touchdown here. tom brady touchdown thomas yeah <laughs> touchdown <laughs> the thomas little, the tank little quarterback <laughs> that could I, I i yeah so going in you know it was it, w- it was off the back of that wales second half right so mm-hmm. you know exactly how low this ship can sink in terms of discipline, defensive capabilities, mentality, all of that. And then the U.S. comes out, and 
slowly, I think takes about 10 to 15 minutes and eases into the game. But once they're there, they don't leave. We were watching, learning, uh, adapting to their tactics and their play style. And then we gathered the information. We computed it. And we spat back out a an offense. Wow. An that, offense. that is... <laughs> yeah, okay. Our team is a supercomputer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think CP1? that... CP1? Come on. It's right there. CP1? CP10? CP10. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the CPU uh, would be then Christian Pulisic, of course. I think that without the midfield... I don't know. But then, then again, who else would we put in the midfield, you know? It's like we, we've got no one else but, like, Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson. Yeah, I think it's less about, like, you know, we picked the right midfield for the day. I think it's just more that they showed up. And they played, I'd say, a solid 75 minutes um, very well. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's notable when you have a midfield of Bellingham, Rice, and, and Mount that you're up against. That's a pretty tall task. And I think they came out the better midfield grouping of the two sides. Yeah, which I was is saying something. I was surprised how well we totally shut Bellingham down. Yeah, I mean, he was, stymied. He was suffocated, and without Bellingham, it was there was nothing to feed. And I think Stu mentioned it. Stu Holden, uh, all-star commentator, former U.S. <laughs> men's uh, legend, mentioned it during the Fox broadcast where Haji Wright and Christian Pulisic and. Tim Weah were up front and they were closing off the passing lanes. And this is what we did in the first half against Wales. We just kind of mm-hmm. floated up towards the space between the defensive line and the midfield line. And we just stood there yep. and we would just watch Harry Maguire and John stones pass the ball to like Karen Trippier or uh, Luke Shaw. And we didn't do anything because we wanted to keep Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham off the ball because that is how England get their balls forward. It's how they start their possession sequences going and not doing anything like running around and pressing and running like some young guys, like the second youngest team at the tournament really showed a certain level of maturity and discipline that I think was probably surprising for the English team. I know Gareth Southgate mentioned that this was a tough, we were, we were a tough side going in, but I they don't know. I, yeah, I don't know where the line draws between like gratuity and like genuine sincerity. Yeah, I really respect this team yeah. so much. <laughs> I think that's kind of a credit to Greg, though. To be honest, I mean, I think the setup worked pretty. Like it worked well enough. We limited their number of chances with the setup. You know, I mean, we were basically in a four-four-two, but yeah, it was like Wright and Wea who were the two up top. And I think what they were mostly doing is trying to cut off those passing angles to. Uh, the midfield, like you're saying. So they're kind of posted between the center backs to cut off the diagonal to the midfield. And make them make mistakes, which they did. I mean, they passed it out of bounds four or five times in that first half just because we, we had constant pressure, but not like up-in-your-face pressure, just there. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, that, that front line cutting off passes, let's take a second to talk about Haji Wright. So The only change from the first <laughs> yeah. match. The only, yeah, the only real change and part of the constant entertaining um, <laughs> ritual Who's ceremony that nine? all of our U.S. fandom goes to is, you know, did Greg choose the right number nine? And I think that, I myself included, I, I thought this was dumb. I thought putting Haji on there was not the move. 
Do you think he like puts all of the number nines that he has on the team on like a um, wheel of fortune wheel and he like spins it mm-hmm. to see who's starting that day? That's a great way to keep the morale high. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's up to luck. It's not about how hard you train, which yeah. I'm not sure would really boost. You thought about going and getting your coaching badges? I, I have them. I coached a U8 girls team. So thank you. <laughs> um, um, is that how you show your team? That's awesome, actually. <laughs> I think the only real like explication I can give for this decision is that Haji Wright is six foot four, mm-hmm. and if you watch the game, you saw that Harry Maguire's size was disruptive for us on corners and set pieces. He was he made a lot of headed clearances. Um. And so maybe Greg's like, well, this guy's pretty tall, so maybe that'll be good. Uh, it didn't really quite work out uh, quite that way, but that's the only little like thought process I could come up with there. Yeah. Did he even get one shot? Haji managed two shots, one of which was blocked, and he had 18 touches this game. So not not a insignificant amount, but certainly given the chances I think we had, maybe one could have gone our way. But yeah, I think that early shot too in the 17th minute that was a pretty good opportunity, if I remember correctly. You kind of cut back and then took a shot and um, didn't quite get it on target, but it was in a good spot. Um, if I remember correctly, what happened there? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the the center forward position continues to, uh, I guess, vex us as well, a side. That's but. the thing because I'm looking at a passing network right now of the US, and it is once again a a I, I guess sort of damning image where Haji doesn't have any passing lines to him. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same thing with Josh Sargent. And so it really just, it is an enigma that still perplexes even the, the experts, right? <laughs> it's trying to link quantum mechanics to relativity. Mm, and yeah, it's the- th- there is no M theory for which striker to choose for the United States offense. But Do you think this opens up the Jesus route for the last game? Do you think oh, he is boy. next on the wheel of fortune? That w- the mind of Greg Berhalter <laughs> is unknowable. That's true. That's true. Because yeah. Reina came in. Greg Berhalter is older than the universe itself and has oh. been here since the dawn of time. Is Tim Ream older than Greg Berhalter? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but he didn't look like it, nah, did he? Greg's 49. Um, no, he did not. Tim Ream, at this point, is our best defender, <laughs> which is uh, fantastic news that okay. we were able to just pluck him out of uh, the Premier League. Yeah, he really made the last-minute resurgence. Zimmerman yeah. didn't look bad today, though. No, I don't, no, no. I'm no, not no. disparaging he Zimmerman, had a good but game. Tim Ream was the better defender. But I, think, I think the crown has passed to Tim Ream for the time being. Yeah, he's the Mad King. And I think our boys and buns at the back line really did a good <laughs> job. Yeah, they did. I mean, I think Zimmerman had his moments where he looked a bit shakier. He had some passes that were that went awry or just kind of went straight to England players on a couple of occasions. Yeah. But other than that, he was fine. Um, they, you yeah. know, they did know, and I saw it as well, but that Zimmerman was, it seemed like a pressing trigger. Once he received the ball, they were trying to pressure him and close him down. Didn't have much success with that. He did a good job of getting it out of his feet when he needed to. And I think that's down to uh, Reem being very comfortable on the ball. And also Matt Turner looking very comfortable receiving yeah. and not feeling the pressure. I mean, this guy's 
letting defenders come on his back. Um, great <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> uh, uh, letting defenders come all over him, and he's just great wriggling story. his way out from underneath <laughs> and escaping. The great escape, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, he did step out of the box and take a couple of dribbles, which was very scary. I've never seen Matt Turner Terrifying. do that in my life, but I thought he was excellent. Matt Turner played a flawless keep, uh, game at goalkeeper today. Yeah, I am. I am looking at our our lineup here and. Now that I do think about it, I'd say Zimmerman's probably our worst on the ball outfield player on that squad. Yeah, and like yeah, I think that's true. So it makes sense that he was a pressing trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he looked it. I mean, the the ball would you know he would take a couple of extra touches when he was trying to receive on a, a couple of occasions. And but you know what he didn't do? Fuck no, it up. He didn't fuck it up. It's 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 fine. It's not like a a big you know red flag or anything. I think it's just that that's. That, just that was England's the reality game plan. of our of our backline. Yeah, yeah. And you, I mean, you know, that makes sense. Yep. Why they do it? So it, it's not. I don't think it's damning to Zerman, but it's just something that the U.S. has to deal with. Yep. We don't have any true ball playing center backs, but Tim Ream has certainly stepped up. Yeah. Uh, can Can I make a, a a point about what I said during the first episode of the World Cup pre coverage? Uh, yes. About England's side. Yes. That they play boring ass football <laughs> and they have some of the world's best talent and can't do anything with it. Okay. <laughs> Am I, I proven right or what? Well, I certainly think that this game and the game against Iran for England were two very different games. Yeah, but they also played two very different teams with yeah. very different skill levels. I agree. And playing one team that finally shows some like attacking prowess, they're like, oh, God, what do we do? They didn't let us score, but they also didn't do anything. I agree that we were able to very successfully nullify England mm-hmm. and that they weren't able to play out, but I also think that England really, this wasn't a game that they needed no. to win. Yeah. So they didn't really go for it. In Maybe the not same points way. wise, but no, mentally no, but I, they still haven't beaten us ever. That's no, but that that is huge, and I think that's a big deal for the U.S. going in against Iran because we have to beat Iran. But yeah. I think that if the energy with this game wouldn't have been the same if it was say England in the U.S. in a knockout, it would yeah. have been oh, totally yeah. different. Yeah. They, so they would have been more up for it. I, I think. I think it the the energy changed, and that that was a help to us. But also, it showed other teams that, yeah, okay, you block those passing lanes to England's double pivot, and you might send them for a loop. Exposed their weaknesses. Yeah, and if you look at England's shot cluster, most of their shots are from inside of our box, and a lot of them are uh, right at the penalty spot, which ideally you don't want to concede shots from that area, uh, if we're being honest. And I don't really recall a ton of situations where these shots ended up being like scary in the end. I think, um, you know, largely there wasn't, wasn't a lot of fear. Uh, it was more of where they were getting the ball to, but we were able to nullify them enough. Um, and I think that's basically true of our attack as well. I mean, we worked the ball really well this game. Um, we didn't rush things. I think we, you know, found the, the seams in their defense um, and played through them pretty well. And they're at points, at, at points in time where I thought we just looked really phenomenal. A lot of one-touch passing, playing through their lines, making runs in behind, finding guys, finding feet with passes. I mean, we looked at moments really, really clinical. And I don't know. I mean, 
that's that's just really promising. I mean, it's still England. They still want to get the points. I, I still think that there's a bit of a desire to kind of come out and, and embarrass us in some sense on, on their side because um, it's kind of like a friendly rivalry in a sense. But, you know, um, of course, there's other factors at play in the groups and how that all, all the math works out. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I think this is a result that both teams can walk away from not being like not being hard done by yeah so i but but to your point the u.s were the by some margin not a lot the better side yeah i agree now let me ask both of you a question about a player that uh we love but <laughs> is it it, it serginio dest okay what do we think about his performance this game he had one magical moment Mm. And then the rest of them, he held it on too long. Mm. He had one dribble <laughs> into the box where he fed Polisic, and it was nice. And we were like, wow, look at Dest. All right. Good job. And then every other time, it was like, Dest, release the ball. Release it. Release. God damn it. Release it. <laughs> yeah. I think we kind of got the, the full Sergio Dest experience in that he created a couple of chances. He got a shot from a really dangerous area that was blocked by none other than Harry Maguire. Um, and I wish Dest was able to make a little more space for himself with his last touch before his shot, because I think he probably bags that if he does. Um, unfortunate for us, but he had some good attacking moments, and he also had some really frightening defensive moments where it's it's funny watching him because sometimes he'll make the right read. He'll, he'll, you know, the ball be played out wide, and he'll be there. And it's like, oh, okay, good. Like, we've got our guy out there, you know. Um, we're not conceding that space. And then Dest just gets burned. He gets nutmegged or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, ah, well. He's just, he's <laughs> not quite, he's just like a, this hybrid that doesn't quite fit yeah. whatever role the modern game requires you to be in. And so, I mean, obviously he's better. He's he's our best right back choice, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd still clear. roll with him. So it's not like we have another option. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's had moments right early on that have defined, I think, U.S. expectations for him. He had sequences of play when he first started playing for the U.S. in competitive situations and not just friendlies where he would score ridiculous goals or mm -hmm. where he would show some on-ball skill that just didn't exist beforehand. Like, consider our reaction to Shaq Moore being brought on in place mm -hmm. of him. It's, yeah. it, was, it was just so, so markedly different. And then Dest would do these weird explorative dribbles that would stress us out He's trying to find himself but at the very least i knew that dest could be competent in areas that require a lot of technical ability Shaq moore i i he, bulldozer he, he, yeah he he he's a Shaq diesel you know he he's he's just powering forward long strides big boots upfield so bad first touch um, uh, yeah, yeah. The touch out of Anthony Robinson and then Shaq Moore's leaves something to be desired for sure. Um, Anthony struggled today with controlling the ball, possession, knocking it out of bounds by himself. Like, mm -hmm. there were a couple moments in the first half, and I'm not sure if it was like gathering your sea legs in the first 15 minutes, but he did it a couple times. Look nervous. Your sand legs. <laughs> yes, getting your, getting, getting your humid sand legs. Mm-hmm. I think that we have devoted some time to this. Let's shout out some England players because this was another team on this game. There's another game on this team. We get it. This is our formal apology to Harry Maguire. Congrats <laughs> nope. on having one good I, game. Well, I think that he did provide some because Harry Maguire provided some very, very needed aerial stability. 
Yes. He was the only reason that we he, didn't score on he corners. He had several key tackles, and I think, if you're being honest, John Stones was the weak link here. I I saw him most of the time. It was weird because the, the, the dynamic emotionally was flipped here. D- John Stones was doing a lot of complaining, a lot of shouting at the refs, and you didn't see Harry Maguire doing like the Harry Maguire face, like the pout that he normally has. <laughs> and he wasn't the center of some spectacle defensively. Mm-hmm. And so when the camera's off him or when the, sp- like the metaphorical spotlights off him, he really doesn't have a problem. And I think it's just totally different from in the premier league because yeah. he's at the center of a team that's essentially TLC viewing. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Maguire like has kind of s- still been better for England than he has been for his club teams. Um, even with how bad he was at United um, for that pretty extended stretch, I mean, he still kind of continues to be. He doesn't really play as much for them anymore, but he continues to get picked by Southgate, and I guess it's kind of understandable because he plays pretty well for them. Um, I mean, I haven't seen every performance. I know that he wasn't picked in some of the Nations League games this summer, I believe, but. I mean, he was good in this game, for sure. Definitely aerially, aerially dominant. Pretty much uh, single-handedly, you know, closed off all of our chance creation in, you know, corner situations with his uh, headed clearances. And, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought he was good. He, he stepped that on the ball pretty well. Uh, had a couple of forward uh, carries, you know, some good passes forward. Yeah, I mean, it was a fine performance from him. I don't think there's anything to, to write home about. but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the only player I noted because the offense for England was just dismal. I mean, if you look at, if you want to talk about notable, I think what's notable here is that Raheem Sterling was really poor. Um, Yeah, the entire front line just did not click. No, Saka, like, did, I mean, uh, I I thought he was okay. Um, He, I thought he was better than Sterling, personally. I'm also highly biased, but I thought he was. Um, They seemed to be going down his side a little bit more, so maybe that was why, but um, he had a couple of, crosses across the box that could have become something if a player was there. Um, you know, a couple of cutback chances that were cut out by us defensively and a shot that he absolutely whiffed on, but from a pretty dangerous area near the six. Yeah, I mean, Sterling had less touches, had less passes, had no shots. So, yeah, I, I'd say yeah. that's pretty accurate. Talk had a better game, but I, you know, it's, it's just like they, they, I think England really shine when all these guys click together yeah. because they, on, I mean, you know, everyone sees it. The, the, the talent they have on this team is just ridiculous. Yeah. I saw somebody say Phil Foden had as many shot creating actions than Harry Kane, Saka, and <laughs> yeah. it was a Graylish. Yeah, like, Foden, and Phil Foden continues to go missing. Uh, you know, so we remain is, to see when Southgate decides to bring on one of the bright talents. <laughs> this is the life of Gareth Southgate, though. It, as soon as if one player plays poorly, there's always going to be that guy on the bench that's like, "Why didn't he play?" Because you yes, have all of these but, options. But also, he only used three subs. Yeah, he, he's got two more, and you know, Phil Foden sitting there, Ben White sitting there. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm seeing also Calum Wilson, you know, so it's, 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 uh, it's just another, another day, another problem. And the group B continues on for Tuesday. So we will see where do we, where do we see group B finishing? Oh, we're going to beat Iran. It's going to be England us in us. And then, uh, Iran Wales. Okay. You don't see Wales beating England. No, I don't. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I just thought I'd ask. I wish, but <laughs> yeah. unless Gareth Bale decides to hire like 
five bodyguards to control the ball for him, and then he just <laughs> shoots whenever they give it to him. Well, okay, we can uh, move on. Blair, I've got to go. You can stick with us, so you can go. Uh, spoiler alert: Blair's got opera tickets. Opera, baby, Vigado. Okay, yeah. but, I mean we we also have opera tickets. Yes, yeah. but not not we have different opera tickets because. Because we because don't we because Blair's got the VIP and he's going to meet the cast and crew. Oh wow, that's so exciting, Blair. That's yeah, not true, but Jacob's saying things. Um, <laughs> I thought Christian Pulisic looked really relaxed, and uh, it was nice to see. Yeah, he didn't hang his head in this game. I like that. And anyway. he got some good corners in. Okay, finally, well, because we aren't we aren't editing this. <laughs> We're gonna try and educate Blair without causing just okay. a whole. Bye. Okay, Maddie. Uh, we'll we'll talk while there's noises happening. So let's continue on and do some brief uh, one sentence impressions of the games that have happened. I think we've got two more games to talk about that have been you know important. Uh, let's continue with Group B. Uh, Wales zero, Iran two. Fuck yeah! <laughs> okay, uh, you. Uh, what, what do you think of this amount of extra time being added on? Because there, there was a question in the group chat and. Blair doesn't get a chance to shout it out, but I'll ask it. Nolan asks, do you think that there is going to be this uh, future sort of bias towards certain teams with the amount of extra time being added on and late extra time winners in, in the dying moments of the game? I mean, I don't think it's going to affect any kind of other league, but uh, I, I think it, it might put like an asterisk on this tournament and I think anything that they do or change will put an asterisk on the tournament like it's just kind of unfortunately you know this sport you can put an asterisk on any kind of game especially any big game because it's all humans playing it um I don't think I I can't see this kind of like extra time being added to the next world cup because of how vastly different these teams have to be. Yeah, I, I agree. But <laughs> I'll, let me let me read you uh, Nolan's excerpt here. Uh, right, like if the U.S. would have gotten the extra throw and at the end, maybe something would have happened there. I wondered if there was a brewing conspiracy of trimming or extending extra minutes, which knowing FIFA, entirely possible. So <laughs> yeah. Nolan, you might not be far off the mark here, but currently the state of thought is that since on average teams only play around 65 minutes of actual ball on the field oh, really? in motion playing time that if we more accurately calculate the extra time instead of doing, you know, two minutes, three minutes or whatever, then we can get to an actual game of soccer for 90 minutes. And I think that many people don't like this currently because it totally changes how the game is played. If you're doing an extra, you know, 22 minutes over a 90 minute game, then that's definitely different. And I think maybe the implementation that FIFA has had on the biggest tournament in the world, maybe you should have done it at like a lesser competition and then worked your way up. But you know, that is neither here nor there. I think it's also gonna, going to contribute to the injury factor oh, yeah. because these players have to play like an extra 15, 20 minutes within a smaller amount of time between games, within a smaller amount of time for a tournament within the middle of their season. Yeah, It feels like FIFA is just trying to compound these injuries on top of each other. And with these refs being so weird with what they're calling, 
it it just feels very very off um i i don't know that's that's how like i'm seeing it it's just they're they're giving so much more opportunities for these players to be hurt within the middle of their club seasons yeah you know that's just another added to the laundry list did you see that denmark germany and a couple other teams approached fifa about leaving uh uefa you mean I think I saw UEFA. Oh, okay. It was like the European uh, organization. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. We'll see. This is, I think a lot of it is also admittedly virtue signaling. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think Denmark is trying to virtue signal. I think they're pretty <laughs> chill. I think, I think all the teams are to some aspect. I'm, I mean, I'm very cynical about it, but I, I do think that. There you, are a lot of issues with this World Cup. It's kind yeah. of hard not to virtue signal. Yeah, but I, I think, I don't, I would be surprised if one team actually left UEFA. Like I would, yeah, I would be floored. I, well, you know, I, I, I love your optimism. So let's continue on to group uh, G. We're, we're doing this a weird, a weird uh, reverse back around to match reverse, day one. Reverse. So group G Switzerland one zero Cameroon. Any impressions, Maddie? I did not watch it. Um, back. Uh, I, the only thing I knew about this game was that Jaka had said, we're not here to talk about politics, we're just here to play the game, which yeah. is like the most Switzerland thing you can ever say. We're just neutral. We're just here I, to play I think well, this this okay. exactly plays out how Switzerland are going to do this tournament with these 1-0, victories. And this, I think, is... Switzerland are going to show strong in this tournament. So I think that with Brazil's victory over Serbia, if Switzerland can tie, they're probably in, into the knockouts. So All right. That, that'll be that. Uh, moving on to Group H. Uh, Uruguay. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done. There's another one. Yeah, Brazil group. 2, Serbia 0, because I mentioned it. Dude. Yeah. Dude. So, obviously, we got to talk about this because many crazy things happened, right? This game was, honestly, a lot of fun, and I was super distracted through it because it was, you know, prime time for Thanksgiving. Um, yes. So, there were people arriving to our uh, apartment because we host every year, and... There were people outside playing football, the American football. And Richarlison had just like one of the coolest goals I think I've ever seen. And I'm so mad that it was him. But like props to doing this on the world stage. It was he flicked it up to himself. I don't think it's considered a bicycle kick. Uh, it's over. It's not it's not over his head. It's it over is, his shoulder. It, uh, it's a pi- pigeon, I think. Hmm. I don't do not quote me on that. I'll have to look it up. But I'm yeah, going to the the, <laughs> the the kick was insane, and that was Brazil's second goal. And Richarlison coming out of nowhere, really. It was just one of those things. It was a cross whipped in by Vinicius, and then you know ne- uh, Neymar. Uh, Richarlison. Richarlison had no right to shoot that, and he did, and yeah. it went in, and it was it was awesome. It was it was it was as if Brazil played the first half timid and Serbia managed to defensively hold them. Yeah. And then uh, Tite talked to him at during the halftime break, said, hey, do you know who you are? This is this is Brazil <laughs> at the World Cup. And so what, you, like, oh, what you have right, to do is Dad. play like Brazil at the World Cup 
and they came out and then they pretty much just started dancing and it was awesome. And yeah. I think this is what people love about Brazil when it's not their nation because it's they are just fun to watch and they make these audacious attempts at pretty much everything and sometimes it pans out and when it does, it's amazing. Uh, quietly performing, you know, that won't get the headlines is Casemiro. I think that he did very well this game and obviously he's going to be a key player to Brazil because, uh, you know, the other key player that they've got, Neymar, is out for at least the rest of the group stages. Man, that guy just gets so much shit and then just gets destroyed. Yeah, and he was, I mean, every all the pundits are saying that he was the most followed player at the last World Cup, and he was, and so... He's I, just so good that people don't know how to defend it. Yeah, that's, that. yeah, and... You know, he gets hacked a bit, and he's he's pretty injury-prone as is, so it's just a bad, bad time. To, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's to a bad time ankles. to be Neymar, but it's a bad time to have Neymar's health issues during a World Cup because the last time this happened, uh, a certain Germany beat a certain Brazil 7-1 in the semifinals. Oh, so, yikes. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, do you think Richarlison's goal is going to be the goal of the tournament? No. No, no, it's it's early yet, Jacob. There is much. Okay, soccer how many do you think there's going to be? How many better goals than that? Because um, that was genuinely. I know, I know, insane. I, I know. Um, and I was with people who don't watch soccer when it happened, and so I had to really tamper down my excitement until one of you walked back into the apartment. Um, I think there will be two goals better than that. Okay. I think one of them will happen in a late winner to like you know push somebody into overtime or over like win it um and that has the emotion behind it and it will be like a nice shot and then one of it will be a just like a really like 0.01 xg shot from way downtown okay way from way downtown <laughs> yes excellent uh, let's talk about the serbian defense for a minute because i think that if you take a look at the half just overall um before brazil came out in the second half, it was really quite something. They held them to under like a half an XG, which, you know, that's, I think was probably like seven shots or something like that. And I, I think that that's certainly something to be desired. It's a back three that Serbia uh, has a lot of talent. So I think that to expect anything from the Serbian defense uh, against Brazil is ridiculous because Brazil can literally bring on the second best attacking forward line in the World Cup, which is only... Uh, you know, which is only uh, uh, bettered by their first attacking line. So yeah. it's just a ridiculous amount of attacking talent, and I don't know how anyone but France are expected to have as much depth. Anyway, Group G, uh, Switzerland, Cameroon, Brazil, Serbia. Maddie, thoughts on the finishing there? I don't know, because, I mean, Switzerland has the upper hand because they've got one win under their belt, but with the Serbian defense and Switzerland really not being able to score that often... I think if Serbia gets one goal in, they might be able to hold it. And I think Cameroon is just that team of this group that's not going to do it. Yeah, I can't see Cameroon going through. So if if Serbia somehow pulls off a 1-0 win over Switzerland, I think I think it could be Serbia and Brazil going yeah, through. Yeah, I mean, that Serbia-Switzerland game is going to be the key one because yeah. Brazil's assumed through and Cameroon's assumed out. So I think anyone who's interested in the group as a whole as opposed to a team will watch the Switzerland-Serbia game. Yeah. Okay, let's do Group H. Group H match day one. Really quick, 
Hot takes, Maddie. Uruguay zero, South Korea zero. Oh my! Man, who likes watching zero zero games? <laughs> Not me. Just kidding. I yeah, loved it today. It, well, this one was a snooze fest. Yeah, it so. was. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, particularly. They're not all going to be good. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Both got a point. Both both walk away looking forward to the next match. Okay, fair enough. Moving on. Portugal three, Ghana two. Dude, this fucking game was insane. <laughs> yeah, this this is. Uh, this was such a fun one, and Diego Costa almost made it three three. What a weird set of decisions there, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. Why? But let's back up. Let's back up to the beginning of the game okay. and then get there because that was the end. Yeah. So we go into this game now on the back of the walking headline that is Cristiano Ronaldo. We're piggybacking. And Ronaldo. he leaves Man United, turns up his contract with United. They mutually, mutually mutually agree to go their separate ways. Ronaldo, free agent at the World Cup, now 37, I want to say. And he wants to play till he's 40. Yeah, well, who doesn't? So he he's awarded a penalty kick. Uh, so the this was, I think, in the end, towards the not the end. Give me a moment to pull this game up. He's awarded a PK. Yeah, in the in the first in the in the first fifteen minutes of the second half. And uh, do you think, Maddie, that this was a justly awarded PK? Because I think a lot of people were a little confused on it because it was a it was a shove in the box, and there's usually contact, shoulder to shoulder contact. And they they had Mark Clattenburg come on and discuss it with Fox. So. Mark. Mark, no. I think this was somehow a makeup for calling his first goal off or goal a foul before he scored it. Um, because I, I I don't think that when he scored in the first half and it was called back, I don't think it should have been called back. Unfortunately, it was a really like, you know, one on one good like physical matchup that he finished really, really well. And to have that called back was unfortunate for him. I didn't care. Um, but I think this was some kind of makeup for getting that call reversed. Mm, okay. I agreed with Mark. I thought any, if any, any shove from the back is just going to be called. I think he goes down. If it's like side to side contact. Easy. I mean, yeah, but you kind of got to. If you're trying to if you're trying to get a PK, you got to go down. Like if, if I know if, if, I if Ronaldo stayed up, it wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's the only way we can. I don't know. It's that that, that is a much bigger problem. Yeah, yeah. The, the existence I of PKs. So he they he's awarded it. He scores first player to score in five World Cups. Everyone knows that. And second player to score without being on an actual club team. Oh, who's the first? I don't know. I just saw it on a Reddit headline. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's or second player to captain his national team, but not be on a club team. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. so the a free agent captain. Yeah, that, he's that is specific. Not on a team. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Reddit comes up with these fun little headlines, and I'm like yeah. eating that up. It's probably opted like Thanksgiving Joe. dinner. Uh, so, yeah, but but the, I think I think the big takeaway here that people will take isn't like Cristiano Ronaldo. Ghana. It's 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 got it's the perseverance that Ghana showed to almost come back and get a result. That was this. awesome. Yeah, it was. They and were so much fun. They had it in them. They had the dog in them, and then to almost finish it off three three. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
It would have been so perfect. Yeah, they make a couple of, I think, key substitutions. Tariq Lamptey comes on for Aladu Seydu, and yeah. then Andre Ayu scores, mm-hmm. the brother. Uh, Osman Burkari comes on for Mohamed Kudos, and then Jordan Ayu comes on for his brother, Andre. So the brothers <laughs> Ayu almost make it happen here, and I think that would have been big. I think just narratively for the World Cup, right? So this was big. Lots uh, of brothers out there. Yeah, the Mohamed Kudus had a really good game, uh, and uh, Andre Ayu had a really good game. So I think that really shows uh, that even though this is an old team and it's it is definitively the lowest ranked FIFA team um, at the World Cup. But man, they fucking that, almost did it. Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. But I think it more shows that Portugal just cannot. They are They're a slow, clunky machine, and they've got a lot of talent. I mean, they were saying before that Ronaldo is the bigger name over his entire country. And that yeah, is but that, like, I, that I don't agree with, though. Because Portugal, Portugal is huge. Portugal's got one of the best leagues in the world. And great wine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you think, <laughs> you think Ronaldo's bigger than the entire wine industry? Well, his Instagram might be. I don't it know. It might be, yeah. Yeah, so I think the, the big takeaway here is that Portugal... I think are underperforming and now Uruguay and South Korea are going to look at this and see, we can take these guys. We can take these guys. We can do it. Yeah. And if Portugal blues to both, they're out. So. Ha ha. Yeah. Coming at you. I I think South Korea especially are sneaky good. So we're going to see whether or not they can do it. How do you think this group will finish? Uh, I think, okay, my heart wants to be Uruguay, South Korea. My heart desperately wants that. Okay. But I think it's going to be Portugal, South Korea. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think Portugal. Or South Korea, Portugal, maybe. I know, Portugal's already got three points. Yeah, I think Portugal's Portugal's in, but I think Uruguay is going to really like their chances. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just didn't see a lot. I thought South Korea would have been better, to be honest. You mean the five Kims in the back? Yeah, the Kim, 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 Kim <laughs> defensive lineup. And the Huang, Huang. That was, that, was a fun, that was a fun thing. But no, look at look at this atrocious. It, it, yeah, they they only generated seven shots in their game, South Korea. Uh, they had, you know, less passes. And I don't think Son popped off quite as much as you would have hoped for. So Well, that's been his season. So Yeah, I think I think it's Portugal Uruguay. That's gonna be the boring answer for me, but I think Portugal's out in the round of sixteen. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I'd like that. Okay. Uh, let's do uh, brief impressions of Group A. Yeah. Qatar 1, Senegal 3. Qatar's fucking out. Netherlands 1, Ecuador 1. I actually watched this game. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yes, yes. You, you do a podcast. I do, yeah. Um. I mean, some of these games are really early. You know that. And yesterday was Thanksgiving. <sighs> Netherlands looks like they struggled. Ecuador. You think Ecuador's, I mean, Qatar's out. I think Ecuador's in. You think Ecuador is in? Yeah, I think they got this in the bag. Who do you think comes out of this group? Netherlands, Ecuador. Wow. It's just like I predicted it. I've been, I've been doomsday in this since day one. You don't think Senegal makes it out? No. I think Ecuador How much do, do you it. want to put on that? I'll put a fiver. All right. That's a official That was, that was handshake. a handshake if you can't hear it. It's me and Maddie handshaking it. <laughs> so, because if uh, Ecuador ties, right, with Senegal. Yep. They go through over Senegal. Even though they have the same points, uh, Ecuador has let less goals in. Oh. Yeah. 
How do you like that? I think, Sen- I think Senegal's got it in them. Okay. I mean, they held off Netherlands, who are now... Netherlands kind of is another clanky, yeah. not really doing yeah. well. Not their golden generation yeah. that they wanted. Well, yeah. I, I think they're... They, they 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 had a weird game where their offense just didn't fire off. If you if we go take a look at the uh, the stats here really quick, their front line um, of Gakpo and Bergwine uh, didn't Bergwine Bergwine. But dude, Gakpo is like yeah. the new up and coming name. Everybody's talking about him. He's on everyone's list. <sighs> yeah, I think he was already on everyone's Gakpo. list. It's just that the World Cup. Put him on the stage because he because he had just the one shot right and it was a crazy shot but that's all they produced yeah and the Dutch weren't able to do anything else of it and they've got this crazy um, good midfield and they've got you know Memphis Depay in the wings they've got uh, Martin De Roon you know I mean mm-hmm. and they've got just a bunch of guys and they they just, they just don't do well that's like literally what their team is and they just don't click. And so I, I just can't see Netherlands going in, and I don't they know. They don't have a great midfield. I mean, I, I admit, Louis van Gaal's probably biased, but I just don't see what he sees in this team. <laughs> you know? Louis I mean, van Gaal's going through a lot, all yeah, right? Yeah, I, I know, but I, I just... I He's just, got cancer, for God's I know. sake. I, I just think Netherlands are, aren't going yeah. too far in this, but I think That's Ecuador fair. has more promise because they've got more motivation. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I love Ecuador and I like the, the, the spirit they show. So Senegal and Ecuador. All right, let's get it. Senegal and Ecuador. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, how do you think the group finishes? Uh, I think it is Netherlands, Senegal. All right. I say it's, I, you think it's Netherlands, out. Ecuador and I, I get that, but I don't respect it. No, hear me out. <gasps> I think it's Ecuador, Netherlands. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Ne- ne- Ecuador, shit. Netherlands, Senegal, Qatar. Because I think Netherlands are in, right? They don't need to try. So they're just going to... So they're just going to fuck around? Yeah, they're going to fuck around with Qatar. Well, gonna cruise. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Man. That's my hot take. Remember when Qatar was the first game played? and That feels like so long ago. It does. It's been a long week, folks, with Thanksgiving <laughs> and the There's World Cup. There's not a lot of sleep. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> our sleep schedules have been absolutely destroyed. My eyes are watering because they're so tired. Uh, but we really should get going. Yes, uh, we have an opera to go to because we are cultured and we know many things about many subjects, don't we? So many. And we're about to get more cultured, as Blair's father tells us. Yes, and tomorrow we're going to do the head, the look at the big headlines. Argentina, Mexico, France, Denmark. And Hell Sunday, yeah. big headliners, Spain, Germany. Okay, oh. Croatia, Canada. Oh. oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see you on Sunday, folks. Have a good weekend.